0: Hey everyone, it's Lucas, Jackie, and Anita. Welcome to Chain Reaction, where we unpack and explain the latest in crypto news, drama, and trends. Breaking things down block by block for the crypto curious. Okay, so all three of us just sat through and watched the trailer for the new Coinbase documentary that's coming out this week called Coin. Any uh, any quick rapid fire impressions from you guys?
1: There were- well, you you missed the subtitle, right? The subheading "Coin: A Founder Story." <laughs> Very important because I felt like when I watched it, it seemed like it was almost trying to get ahead of like some of the like the WeWork TV show that was out there that we've talked about on this show, and you know some of the more negative depictions of founders. I felt like this was Brian Armstrong and Coinbase trying to like glorify their story and maybe get ahead of it.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I also found the. Uh- little cameos from people prominent in the industry was very interesting. We had Vitalik from Ethereum in there, Michael Saylor, the former CEO of MicroStrategy and also Bitcoin lover, among other people. I wonder if we'll uh, even get someone like Elon Musk to pop up later. We'll see, right?
0: <laughs> I absolutely adore the confidence of a bear market public company that stock <laughs> has tanked, releasing a self-produced documentary directly on video on demand. And it's also watching this. It was like if I don't know, like if Mark Zuckerberg directed the Social Network. Yeah. and it was just like I, that how- is my
1: favorite movie of all time. Just throwing <laughs> it out. There there.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm very curious. I mean, this all looks like it's going to be very cringy. I mean, it's very high production value and they got a lot of cool people on it. But at the end of the day, it's like a company pushing a documentary about its founder, Mm -hmm. probably not going to be too critical.
1: It felt like they were trying to do it in like a we crashed kind of style. But convey the opposite message. Like it feels kind of forced and it felt a little like propaganda vibes to me. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was also like very Bitcoin focused, not crypto focused, which I know the whole crypto ecosystem derived from Bitcoin and that's kind of how this all started. But like Coinbase is so much more than like the Bitcoin narrative. And I swear I heard them say Bitcoin 30 times in the two minute trailer, which I don't know, seems a little fishy to me.
1: Yeah, they showed him (laughs) going through the... The Satoshi white paper,
0: <laughs> yeah. Vitalik's in there, they couldn't even get an interview on camera with Satoshi. What an
1: Ethereum <laughs> drop, yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, well, it'll be uh, maybe we'll have to have a little watch party for that. That looks pretty funny, yeah. This was this was an interesting week for news, and I think that you had to pull out one big topic that really came through. It would probably be what you're going to talk about, Anita.
1: Yeah, well, you know, Kim Kardashian sure does know how to grab a headline, <laughs> that is what she's in the business of doing, and she did that in the crypto world this week where she had to pay a a 1.26 million dollar fine which is pocket change for her to the SEC and that's because she illegally promoted a shitcoin called Ethereum Max sorry that was definitely my personal opinion so um, <laughs> you're not wrong you know. Anita
2: you're not No wrong. one no
1: one reported it what the hell as a is coin. Ethereum Max <laughs> yeah so we can get into that in a second but basically she she promoted <laughs> Ethereum Max and the problem was that she didn't follow the correct disclosure rules and it's because she was promoting what's essentially a security. And so Chairman Gary Jensler of the SEC basically came out and said like, you know, yes. So if you look at this ad, you can see what she posted on her Instagram. And it was very like not with the aesthetic that Kim Kardashian's Instagram usually has. It looks <laughs> kind of like Ethereum Max just sent her some little like banner and she directly posted it. And it was something like, Oh, like, I've been hearing from my friends about crypto. It was trying to be very innocent like that. And she did do hashtag ad, right? She did put that, like, we've all seen content creators do that and put that disclaimer. But the reason she had to pay the fine was basically, as Gary Jensler said, if you are promoting a security, you have to not only state that you were paid to promote it, but also the nature and the amount of that payment. And that's the operative part that Kim Kardashian did not actually i too.
0: Yeah, there's so much here. I guess like, did they even alert the founders of Ethereum Max that it was a security or is Kim Kardashian the one who's like being the first to find <laughs> out? Because I don't think it was like long established that it's never been long established for any crypto that it's definitely a security. So that, that was just what was kind of funny about That's this. That's what I
1: thought was weird. Yeah.
0: It was like Kim was the first one to find out it was the security.
1: Yeah, I mean I guess even even the Ethereum Max founders probably didn't know. I mean, Jackie you asked what it was. I was reading a little bit about this and <laughs> I mean the the coin has always been like below 1 cent in terms of like its price that it's been trading at, but Apparently, Ethereum Max owners get special access to the hottest restaurants and clubs. And it's basically a culture token. Mm. So Mm. I don't know exactly what that means, but it has some sort of linkage to like NFT marketplaces and they're trying to do some sort of perks thing. But essentially, like what I thought was hilarious about this is the token has always been below one cent. And it actually rose. 126% right after the news came out that Kim Kardashian was fine for promoting it. So it's not like she was shilling like some coin that everyone knows about. Like this is literally some random cryptocurrency that paid her $250,000, which is actually pocket change for her to promote it. And she just probably didn't think about it that hard. And yeah, so like it spiked after the negative news and then. It's still up. It dropped a little bit, but it's still up 31% above what it was trading at before the SEC charged Kim Kardashian with illegally promoting it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy because like celebrities in the past have been charged for shilling crypto projects, even if they are quote unquote ads. And I think the effect of this is way beyond the pocket change you're saying they're getting because like people will buy into it and get it without really realizing what they're doing,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, look, Kim had to pay a fine. And that's unusual because we've seen like Mark Cuban. I mean, he's facing a lawsuit right now, but he wasn't charged by the SEC for his promotion of Voyager Digital and their securities. We've seen Matt Damon go on like ads for crypto.com. Like everyone's seen those. We've seen a bunch of different celebrities promote crypto and a lot of them haven't faced direct legal consequences from the SEC like this. So the operative part is like Kim didn't do the disclosures properly But at the same time, like, it is emblematic of this bigger trend where people are going online and they are getting financial advice from celebrities. And like, you know, the question in my head is like, you know, is Mark Cuban really taking advice from himself? Like, is Matt Damon taking the advice that he's sharing in these ads about crypto?
2: Yeah, I think there's a need, obviously. For people to do their own research and not just buy into something. And oftentimes, like... Do your
1: own research. Yeah,
2: D-Y-O-R. If (laughs) someone is talking highly of a project ad or not, it might be too good to be true as it goes. And also for us, like, obviously, we know what Ethereum is. We live and breathe in this space. But people outside of this space they might think Ethereum Max is a part of Ethereum, which is really concerning. It has nothing to do yeah, it has nothing with to, Ethereum. And, I, and I'm and i not going to make a statement, but I'm going to speculate that I think the people who created Ethereum Max knew exactly what they were doing when they named it that. And for people who don't understand the space, well, they probably thought it was just a part of Ethereum. And they're like, oh, I heard of Ethereum once before. It's a massive project. Oh, this makes sense. So I think it's just a massive need to drive home the importance of education and doing your own research and not listening to anyone from celebrities to crypto community, quote unquote, influencers who will, you know, promote (laughs) a pump and dump scheme, because we see that a lot in this space.
1: Yeah, I think the only people you should be taking serious, you know, advice from is probably financial advisors and like, you know, do your own research and validate and cross check what these people are saying. It's not like every single project that's associated with a celebrity is total bullshit, Mm -hmm. but a lot of them could be because at the end of the day, these people just want to make money for themselves, right? And like that's the whole game. I think this also, the news was kind of interesting from the perspective of creators themselves, because I know so many content creators out there are like getting into the crypto space. Like I actually met at an event, you know, a couple of months ago someone who I know as like a fashion influencer and she was into crypto, like all of a sudden I had no idea that she was in that space. So I think for creators, like creators have to be especially careful when it comes to anything financial. Like we know that there was sort of like a TikTok rule about promoting financial content and they got rid of a lot of the financial content creators on the platform because they were sort of in violation of those rules. Like it's just like On both sides, you know, both as a consumer and as a creator, you have to be really, really careful about this stuff. I don't think that Kim Kardashian was really thinking that hard when she took the 250k from Ethereum Max and posting that story, but it just goes to show you really have to do your diligence. I'm
0: going to give a hot take here, which is that I'm actually pretty surprised that (laughs) she got this fine. Looking at the ad she actually put out there, I'm kind of surprised this is what they went after. I mean, Ethereum Max does seem like a scam, but I feel like so many people have just said like, "Go buy this token" in very direct terms. And she was like, here's something that the community's governance did. I'm not saying it was like a good thing that she did this. I guess I'm just surprised that she still had to end up paying $1.26 million.
2: No, I actually, I agree with you on that, Lucas. I think the bar is way lower. And she... Did put hashtag ad on the <laughs> At thing. At least she did that. Yeah. But like, I feel like there are people who, celebrities or not, have done way worse. Maybe they were making an example out of her.
0: Totally.
1: I'm not sure. I think they were because she has so many followers. Like, mm-hmm. she's just a prominent example. I'm not necessarily saying the enforcement was fair. Mm-hmm. That's like a different question, right? Like yeah. philosophical. She did something illegal. She <laughs> did something wrong. But like that doesn't mean that other people who also did the same wrong things shouldn't also be held to the same standard. Yeah,
0: I guess I, like in closed doors, I'm guessing just her lawyers and the SEC, there must have been like a very possible awful outcome if she was just down to drop 1.26 million on this when it's just like, yeah, I mean, securities fraud, obviously very, very bad. But I think for people who are creators who do crypto ads, like if you saw this, you'd be like, Dang, like that seems like she was like following more guidelines than most other people do that, you know, can I even do anything with? Again, it's not like the SEC has like a list of here are the cryptocurrencies that are securities. Here are the cryptocurrencies that are not securities. So if I was like concerned that I might have to pay a billion dollar fine, I sure wouldn't be endorsing anything that had like a vague possibility of being a security. I'm not Kim Kardashian, but in that same lens, it just seems it. this is big. This isn't like she did something super obviously illegal, but that's just my take.
1: Yeah. I think that there's a scrutiny because of like the massive size of her follower base. But at the same time, I think that exactly what you said, Lucas, is probably what the SEC is going for. Yeah. I think that there's just been a lot of criticism, but not so much illegal grounds to go after some of these bigger celebrities who have been promoting crypto. And so maybe this is them just saying like, hey, like, stop doing this. You know, you guys got to watch out it's risky, it's dangerous, but maybe they didn't have like the legal grounds to go after every single person yeah. who has been in the public figure and promoting crypto. So I think Gensler honestly is just trying to discourage celebrities from sort of promoting any financial product, let alone crypto. And that's a whole other, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other debate. And it has all sorts of implications for the creator economy and for influencers and for companies that are really reliant on that, that are in the financial space for their business models.
0: Yeah, I'll be curious whether the other celebrities who pumped this project also, like if any of them were just like, we're not paying that fine. We're going to go to court or something like that. I think it was like one of the Paul brothers. Uh, and then,
1: Oh man. uh,
0: Yeah. One of of those great guys. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll, we'll see.
1: Those fine young gentlemen. Exactly. Well, I know the Paul brothers are some truly fine young gentlemen, but I know that we also have some other news from another fine gentleman out there in in the public sphere.
0: Yes, our good friend uh, Elon Musk had an interesting week. The master businessman has decided to renegotiate his Twitter deal after a few months and pay the exact same price that he said he was going to pay initially. He alerted the company to this in a letter. But yeah, he's he's buying Twitter again. It seems like he's going to do so on his own volition. This happened a couple days before he was set to be deposed ahead of this trial that you know he's been trying to delay because Twitter is trying to force him to make this buy. So it seems like it's going to happen. The crypto angle to this is that as soon as this news got announced, all the people who are Dogecoin lovers got very excited. They see Elon Musk as- All
1: five of them. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, there are dozens of us. The followers all seem to believe that Elon is going to make Dogecoin into a currency for the internet- They've got a lot of big dreams, but the token shot up 8%, which isn't a wild amount. So I think it's it's tempered expectations at this point. There have been a lot of Elon-induced price swings over the years at this point. But yeah, it hasn't quite recovered from after Elon Musk did SNL and mentioned Dogecoin, <laughs> and then it just spectacularly crashed. So it's still down 75% year over year. I'm sure if you like look at its all-time high to where it is now, it's it's down bad.
1: Wait, so, so let me just get this straight, like make sure I'm understanding this right. The reason that the price went up after the news went live about Elon on Twitter is just because, is it sort of like Dogecoin is like a proxy for Elon Musk? Like when he comes out and says something, the price goes up. And then when he, <laughs> he like says something negative, like the price goes down.
0: Yeah, I think it's like all of those NFT websites that were like social tokens for celebrities or something. Dogecoin is Elon Musk's social token. So when good things happen to Elon, people buy Doge. When bad things happen, maybe they sell. Yeah, it does seem to be very closely linked with his persona.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely wild. I mean, I guess there are some people just holding out hope that he's going to he's going to make Doge our currency. Doge is the new fiat, you know? (laughs) It's (laughs) (laughs) It's C-Y-O-R. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. This is this is a kind of contentious situation. Everybody's been wondering what's going to happen if Elon Musk is owned by Twitter. Basically, not that many people know, which is why so many people are talking about it. There's probably going to be a lot that's happening in the political spheres as a result of him not wanting things to be censored and his kind of, quote unquote, free speech views towards the platform. But in terms of like, does he want to make Dogecoin the currency of Twitter or does he want to put more of an emphasis on the cryptocurrency? community inside Twitter? Does he want to make more emphasis on NFTs? Like none of these things are known. The only conversation that we really know is that we got a lot of these text messages from some of these legal documents that came out. And part oh my of the gosh. I yeah, <laughs> I
1: have to admit, I have not read all of them. Like it, it was just too much. They're so cringe, Anita. They're so bad. <laughs> I was cringing too hard. I was like, I have to stop like for my own mental health right
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> there was there were some like very spicy text messages with this person who is identified in the documents as TJ. And a lot of the people in the TechCrunch slacks were like, Is this TJ Miller, Ehrlich Bachman of <laughs> Silicon Valley? Oh but it is in fact <laughs> It's in fact his ex-wife Tallulah Riley, oh. according to a report in Bloomberg, who is saying all this stuff like burn Twitter to the ground and like oh all my. this like very like empty stuff. So there were texts like that. But then there were also texts with Twitter founder Jack Dorsey, where Jack Dorsey's kind of espousing his view of how he wants Twitter to become a decentralized protocol that no company can govern, but they can just kind of run the client that operates on the protocol. So it was a very kind of like Web3 vision. There wasn't anything explicitly about a token or NFTs or anything like that, but it's kind of fits into the ethos of decentralization. They've done some stuff with this before. It's a program called Blue Sky. Basically, they want to make Twitter, so that like social media posts are kind of like emails, where everyone can have their own client. Like you can read email with Gmail or Yahoo Mail or some other email program. But in in the same way, you can do that with social media messages. So you can log into a client that has moderation views that you agree with, or something like that, and then you can still get access to all of the social media posts online. So it's a very widespread, ambitious idea. I don't know how that gels with someone who's spending tens of billions of dollars on the platform, whether he wants to like decentralize the economic opportunity of Twitter.
1: Yeah, that seems like more of like a Jack Dorsey thing than an Elon Musk desire, right? Like what last I heard of Jack Dorsey on this was like, wasn't he building Web 5.0? Well, like what <laughs> happened to that?
0: <laughs> I, I have not heard any updates.
1: Yeah, I think Elon has his own
2: take on these things. And he has a lot of influential people in his life who also want to promote whatever agenda they have, whether it be Jack Dorsey's view of this decentralized Twitter that he didn't really accomplish the first time around and maybe he wants his good old friend Elon to do. I think it'll be interesting to see like what really transpires from this. And early on when you brought this up, Lucas, you're like, he's buying Twitter again. I'm really hoping (laughs) we don't have this talk again if he happens to somehow back out, you know?
0: (laughs) I, I, I wouldn't hold your breath. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, doge up a little bit, but I'd say for this quarter in general, things haven't been looking too bright and shiny for the crypto markets. What do you think, Jackie?
2: Yeah, so the broader crypto markets haven't been too great, but crypto losses, and bear with me on this, crypto losses continue to fall in Q3, according to a new report by Immunify, which is a good thing. Less losses. Less losses. So crypto losses (laughs) are down, which means less of people's money is being stolen, hacked, etc. We're going to get into it. But I'm going to throw some numbers at you guys here. So about $428 million worth of losses transpired last quarter of Q3, which was down 36% from 670 million in Q2. And it's also a drop of about 63% from 1.15 billion in the year ago quarter. So Losses are down, which is a good thing. And what are these losses you might be wondering? It basically is defined as a combination of hacks and alleged fraud incidents like rug pulls and web three projects. So basically covering all corners of bad actors and opportunities for them in the space. And about 93% of them were hacks and only 7% was like fraud. So I guess like the question is like, why less losses? It's a good thing in this situation even though the words might have a negative connotation. Basically, what I heard from researchers was developers and white hat hackers are getting better. And this is a sign that the industry is maturing a bit more with
1: experience. And just to pause for a second, I know we talked about white hat hackers a couple episodes ago, but it was the first time I had heard the term. Those are just like the good guys, like they're hacking for good. Yes. So
2: white hat hackers are people who hack usually for money from companies or protocols or something like that. But in return, they get money instead of getting what they basically exposed. And then black hat hackers are just like the shady people of the internet who do these massive losses. Like, for example, in Q3, most of the losses, 80% of them came from two incidents, which is a silver lining in a way because only two major hacks happened. Opposed to a bunch of major hacks or a bunch of little ones. So it's kind of showing maturity in the space. But, anyways, these two hacks were from the cross chain messaging protocol Nomad. If you all remember this, it lost $190 million and crypto market maker Wintermute, which also lost about $160 million. And basically, these bad actors or black hat hackers found exposures within these projects and drained the funds. And so a white hat hacker can basically hopefully. Find those exposures beforehand, let the protocols, companies or projects, whatever it may be, know and fix it before someone goes in and does
1: this. So, yeah, you you heard it here first. Crypto is getting less scammy. That's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: And crypto losses have declined every quarter since the beginning of the year, which is a good thing. And it's uncertain if this trend will continue into Q4 or the foreseeable future. But basically, one of the researchers at Unify I spoke to said this could be seen as a good thing for the crypto community. The decrease could be attributed to a number of factors like developers and the white hat hackers we mentioned before getting more experienced and more incentives for these people through like bug bounties and security innovations growing, which help prevent and save the space from even more losses. So time and experience will definitely be beneficial to the industry. As things evolve and innovation grows, so will improvements for security, hopefully, as well.
1: I do think it's really fitting that in a space that's so defined by this sort of like decentralized, almost like quasi-anarchist ethos, that it's really the like vigilante justice by the white hat hackers that's been working out. Yeah. There's just something very <laughs> like, very crypto about all of that. Yeah,
0: I like how I feel like in crypto, there's a very like nebulous line between white hat and black hat hackers, because I feel like even with a lot of these big hacks that have happened, the companies they have like pretty much zero recourse at the end of it, like they can sit through like a several year long investigation with law enforcement, but their like general thing that they've done is just been like, okay, We'll give you 10% of what you stole and we'll say you're a white hat hacker. Just give us the money back or something like that. Because it's like all they can do. They just like basically ask for it back. But I think it's funny in this sense because it's just like obviously they were intending to keep it. But I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, the black hat hacker, white hat hacker like dichotomies is very funny.
2: I guess it depends on your
1: moral (laughs) ground. Yeah. Or
0: if you want to look over your shoulder or just take the 19 million and run.
1: Do the ends justify the means. We need a whole other episode for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I have an answer on that. All right. So some stuff we're working on this upcoming week, I will be spending an awful lot of time with Mark Zuckerberg's version of the metaverse. Meta has its annual Meta Connect event this week. And there are going to be a lot of announcements. They've already teased that they're going to be showing off a pro version of their VR headset that will do mixed reality. But I'm sure that in the crypto line of things, they'll be talking about their digital collectibles and NFTs across Instagram, Facebook and WhatsApp. So I'll be listening in and writing up a bunch of stuff on that, I'm sure.
1: I will not have the pleasure of spending time with anything associated with Mark Zuckerberg this week. So a little <laughs> jealous of you there, Lucas. But no, I've been thinking a lot about the intersection between fintech and crypto, which I cover both areas. If you didn't know, you can check out my fintech stories on techcrunch.com as well. But there's been a lot of activity in that space, like Robinhood launched its non-custodial wallet to its beta users on its waitlist last week. And then earlier this week, I also wrote about Stash launching a crypto investing feature. They also exclusively shared some figures on their revenue and their financial performance with TechCrunch. So definitely check out my reporting on fintechs getting into the crypto space. And I will say there is more to come on that front. So stay tuned.
2: Looking forward to it, Anita. As for me, I am talking to a handful of VCs about their capital deployment in space right now and how things have shifted from the previous season, spring and summer, and what's in store for fall and the rest of the year. We'll be back every week with the top news on the crypto ecosystem. Catch us on Tuesdays for interviews with experts in the Web3 space. You can keep up with us on Spotify, Apple Music, or your favorite pod platform. And subscribe to our companion newsletter, also called Chain Reaction. Links to the newsletter and the stories we talked about can be found in our show notes. And be sure to follow us at Chain underscore Reaction on Twitter.
1: Chain Reaction is hosted by myself, Anita Ramaswamy, along with my co-hosts, Lucas Matney and Jackie Melanick. We are produced by Yashad Kulkarni and our associate producer is Maggie Stamets with editing by Kel Keller. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator. Alyssa Stringer leads audience development and Henry Picovet manages TechCrunch's audio products. Thanks for listening and see you next week.